I've been studying something. These two men, everybody knows the story of the prodigal son, and I suppose it's been preached on as much as any passage of Scripture there is about the first son. But what I want to do tonight is talk to you primarily about the second son. And so if you'll turn over to Luke chapter 15 tonight, Luke chapter 15, I'd just like to read the story first of all. There's some highlights I'd like for you to see about it. In Luke chapter 15, I'm beginning to read verse 11. And he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother has come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gave me a head, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. What a story. Now I want you to watch this, please. Uh, When we read this, Uh, verses, you need to notice two things here. Verse 11 said, And a certain 
uh, and he said a certain man had two sons. It's the important thing about the first son is in verse 24. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be married. Now you can take these these story of the first son, and uh, I know I've heard it preached both ways, and I believe it could be used both ways. It can be used as a, here's a man that's lost, and uh, his father he came back to his father and was found, which is a type of salvation. But if you'll notice something here. He never lost his father. His father always called him his son. And it's the same way with the other son now. The important thing about the first is he was lost and now he's found, and he was dead and now he's alive. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 tells us we were dead in our sins and trespasses without God or his son. But... We're quickened and made alive forevermore when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. So, uh, when any sinner gets saved or made alive by receiving Christ as Savior, uh, every Christian or brother in Christ is rejoiced over the one who is saved then. Now, I want you to look at the second son, the elder son. First of all, you better not misjudge him. Notice something. This son was not bad. This son is faithful. This son is just. He's never transgressed a commandment. In fact, his life had no highs or no lows. In other words, his life has always been on a calm plane. And he had been blessed because he had always been with the Father. Now all that the Father had was his. The story of the elder son and the father here also tells us of the father's patience, of his gentleness in dealing with the elder son. Notice how the father bears even with his foolish wrath. He reasons and encourages him to share in the joy of his other son coming home. You know, one of the saddest things to me is when we as Christians have a brother or sister in Christ that gets out of the will of God and gets away from the Lord, and we don't care. I mean, we just go about our business, doing our own thing, serving the Lord, going to church, reading our Bible, praying, and go about our service, and we just let them go. And the Bible makes it very plain that when a saved person backslides and gets away from the Lord, do you know it's our, joy, it's our job to go bring them back in? and have compassion on them instead of making fun of them or saying something bad about them or uh, ridiculing what they're doing. And notice the Father here had great patience. Look at verse 31 and verse 32 with me, please. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. It was me that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, is alive again, and was lost and is found. Two things here before we go any further. The elder son, he comes out of the fields of work in verse 25. He's on time and orderly in all his ways. He can't understand the merrymaking. He never have received a kid. 
his son's life had been a wholesome one. The younger son, or prodigal son, had his fun days, and the elder son. By the way, you can take that first son as a child of God backsliding and getting away from the father. Because you got to, like I said in the beginning, you got to remember, he still called him father. Notice now, uh, the elder son is the man of habit, though. Habit which is to us better than him, instinct. The danger to the man of habits is that he becomes mechanical, just doing his part steadily uh, without any gladness in his heart. Did you know the Bible speaks a lot about having the oil of gladness in our heart? Man, it, it tickles me to death when I see a Christian being blessed. I mean it. When somebody else is being blessed and they're a child of God, I want to get in on it. Amen? I don't want to, I'm not envious of them, but I'd like to have some of that blessing. Amen? And I want to rejoice with them. And I believe God expects a child of God to have a glad heart when somebody else is blessed. Notice again the younger son. Uh, don't ever think that you've got to be or that it is better for you to be irreligious or rebellious before you can be religious or obedient. I've been under all kinds of preachers since I've been saved. And it always amazed me that evangelists and a lot of great preachers that I know, they got terrible stories to tell about their former life. Uh, they did all kind of bad things. And then one day they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what I say every time I hear about things like that? Why don't we make big of somebody that's always been close to the Lord? Always lived a close life. Although there was, uh, I didn't mean close to the Lord, but I mean always used to live a, close, a clean life. Did you know God can use clean people too? And God does use clean people. And it amazes me. It, we make a big deal out of somebody who used to be a drunkard and God has saved them and changed their life and called them to preach. Well, you know what? I like to see somebody God called a good young man is wholesome and, and serves, you know, just been a good person all his life too. I want you to watch this. You better remember godliness leaves its record though. They write their impressions on the brain and the heart. You better remember, as full and free as is God's forgiveness, a man still has to reap what he sows. Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. Now I want you to watch verse 31 again. Verse 31, And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Now notice about the elder son. Again, he had been enjoying the comfort of his father's fireplace, if you want to say it that way and the bounty of his father's table for years. And uh, this one extraordinary feast granted to his brother was nothing to be compared with his constant and continual outward showing of the father's love and care for him. Do you know one of the things that God uh, chastened the children of Israel for? God took care of them in the wilderness. He took care of them down in Egypt. He fed them from manna on heaven. He would give them water from the rock. He took care of them all those years. And then they got out there, and then they started murmuring against God because they didn't give Him something else. You know what we forget sometimes? All the little things that God has done for us. 
How much God blessed us and took care of us all these years. We see, we see somebody being blessed mightily, and all of a sudden, boy, that's great! And we forget the little things that God's done for us all down the queue of years. I've been living just a straight Christian life all these years. Going to church, reading my Bible, praying, uh, doing whatever God wants me to do, and nobody pays me any attention because I'm just a common Christian. Oh, no. God's blessed you on every side and took care of you. Now, watch this. <coughs> you remember the rain and the streams and the desert and the rivers and the fertile soil from which the children of God came from? Now, I think it's a very sad, serious mistake when we allow the constant goodness of God's kindness to be forgotten and not to remember daily His parallel uh, love towards us now. Notice in this parable, the father says to the elder son, My property is your property. It's yours to use and enjoy. Did you know there's nothing within our view and reach that we're not free to take and use? I get tickled at some of these people that eat not, touch not, drink not, you know. I mean, I don't eat no pork and I don't eat this. I don't go here. I don't do that. Do you know what I found in the book of Acts the other day? If you ask the Bible, and, and more than just in the book of Acts, so, uh, I forget, I think it's Timothy, different places in the Scripture. If you ask a blessing on something, God said He'll bless it to you. In other words, I could eat a rattlesnake for one or two fast blessings. But you better not feed me no rattlesnake. Alright? I don't want a rattlesnake, but if I wanted one, I could eat it. It sure ain't going to be nothing to me. It's just a piece of meat and food. Amen? If God blesses it. And I think sometimes uh, that we want to get into the spiritual ring. Oh, I'm not going to do that. But God said everything that I give you is good. It's like I said this morning in the book of Genesis. I love to read the book of Genesis every time. There's, a, there's something about it. That when God made something, He said it's good. Everything He made is good. And every once in a while they come along, it's very good. You never find a word said in the Bible where God said made something and it was bad. Do you notice that? God never made anything that He turned around and said it's bad. And a man told me one time, well, the devil, God made the devil. Oh, no, He didn't. He made the most cheerless angel in heaven. The devil used his own will and become the devil. Now, don't you watch this. All that I have is thine, God said. You know, every once in a while we just need to stop and take inventory of what God's done for us down through the years. The little things and the big things. They all go, just keep it calm. Keep on a calm level. Just keep going. Thank God. Remember who Jesus is teaching to here. I want you to back up to uh, chapter 15 and verse 1 and 2. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Jesus is pictured, uh, picturing the Pharisees and scribes under the guise of the elder brother. Now let's go back down to verse 25 for a minute. Now his elder brother was in a field. And he came and drew nigh to the house and heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Now, I don't have time to read all that again, but I want to show you something. 
All those these men had not left the church. All those men had put in uh, their appearance at the temple. That's the, that's the Pharisee and the Sadducees. Remember something? A Pharisee and Sadducees studied the Word of God. They studied the Old Testament. They knew the Scriptures. And they wanted to argue with them. They never were happy in their religion or worship, though. A man called me just yesterday, and uh, his son committed suicide. And he wants me to preach his funeral. And he said to me, he, he goes to Assembly of God. And he said, Preacher, uh, does he, is he going to go to heaven, Preacher? I said, well, let me ask you something. What determines where you go to heaven or not? The only one thing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and I shall be saved. What determines if you go to hell? Rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. Only one thing will take you to heaven. Only one thing will take you to hell. All the in-betweens is dealing with the sins in our body and life as it goes along. And what we as Christians don't understand sometimes, you know the devil can rob your mind if you don't keep it before God. He can make you do things that you'd never think you would do. And we don't understand that. Now he wants me to preach his funeral and knowing that here's a man that's, and they teach if you commit suicide, you can't go to heaven. Now all they do is study the Word of God to be, I'm so pure, like a holiness preacher I preached to one time, I mean, talked to on the job one time, and I said, I'm so glad I'm saved by God's grace, and I, I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. And he said, I have a sin since the day I got saved. I said, you're the biggest liar in town. And about that time he lost his salvation. And what I'm trying, he got angry with me. If you get angry, that's sin. Now what's he going to do? Amen. you got to start all over now. I was talking to a man one day. He said, uh, you got to be baptized to go to heaven. And you can't know you're going to go to heaven. You can just hope you go to heaven. Hope till you hold out to the end. I said, what are you going to do then if you get saved and you're going to sin? Now you get to get, you got to get baptized all over again? Yeah, that's right. What a stupid teaching. Amen. Did you know what the word saved means? It means saved. That's all it means. Saved. Well, if you're saved, you're not lost. I ain't going to go no further with that. That's enough. If you're saved, you're not lost. Just that simple. And don't write something in there that's not there. Now listen to me. Well, they never were happy, these Pharisees and Sadducees, in their religion. Four things these elder brothers tell us, this elder brother tell about Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites, church members. Always at home, the elder son is yet far from the house. Verse 25. Now watch verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he was close at home. Notice something. The self-righteous spirit, after all, is an isolating spirit. The elder son was really as forgetful of God as the younger. Only the forgetfulness took a different form. The merry making at home distressed the elder brother. Verse 26 down through verse 30. 
He first asked the explanation of the unusual merrymaking. And then, when he gets it, he bursts into a fit of censoring in which he accuses the father of favoritism. You know how many people, Christians I'm talking about, that I've talked to down the years of being a pastor, they, they, want, they never use the word favoritism, but they sure put it this way, how come God's so good to him and he's not to me? How come God's blessing that one and he never blesses me like that? You know why? You're too far from the house. Amen? You listen now. This is simpleness. Listen to this. The godless spirit shows itself in verse 29. Look at verse 29. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I any time any commandment. And yet thou hast never given me a kid that I make merry with him. Let me ask you something. Does God owe you anything for serving Him? He don't owe you nothing. That's what this is talking about. He, he was griping because God's never done nothing. But God don't owe you anything. He saved your soul. That's enough. Amen? No, notice something. He believes He has been a faithful and, and faultless servant. And yet, He's never even got a kid to make merry with His friends from his father. His whole idea of joy is away from the father. Now, I don't know about you, but I tell people all this all the time. The best thing you can do is get as close to God as you can get. That's the best thing you do. Don't run from your problems. I heard a man tell me years ago, an old-time preacher, Dr. McCormick, and I never forget it. He said, don't ever try to run from your problems because your problems are inside and you'll carry them with you. And you'll lose your friends behind and you'll get out there where you don't have any friends and what you're going to do now. And brother, I got news for you. I got good Christian friends. Amen. And I want you to listen to me. Don't run away from God. I've had so many people tell me, I'm going to pull up and move. And they'll talk about moving to Brooksville or moving way off summer. And I, I'm, I'm thinking about a family right now that's going through heartache because of something bad happened in their family. And they pulled up and left. And they've been sorry ever since. You know? And what I'm trying to say is, you can't run from your problem. Don't run away from God. Run to the Lord. You know why David was the apple of God's eye? I studied that one time a great deal. I want to know. I want to be the apple of God's eye like David was. And I said, if David was the apple of God's eye, how come? What did he do that was different than all the rest of the guys that was around him at that time? You know what happened? Every time David would do something wrong and God would get on to him, he run to God. He run to the temple to hold on to the altars of God and get it right with God. And he didn't alibi about his wrong. He confessed it. And got, by the way, that's the only way you get closer to God. God already knows you need to lie to Him. Amen. So you might as well confess up. And to confess up and get closer to Him. Lastly, He's unable to realize how sweet and right it is to rejoice over the return of the laws. Verse 31 and verse 32. 
joy over the recovery of the lost is one of the necessities of an unwarped nature. This was the Pharisees and scribes' sins they were guilty of. They would not rejoice at the recovery of a fallen brother by the ministry of Christ. What I believe is taught in these two brothers is we need to be, we need the brokenheartedness of the prodigal son, but we also, we never need the hardness and complaining of the elder son. Amen? I want to keep a broken heart. You know what? I want to weep when somebody needs you to weep with them. And brother, let me tell you something. You can't just turn it on and turn it off. They know the difference. Amen? But I want to be sincere. If somebody comes to me with an a, a emotional problem in their life that's going on right now in their life, preacher, will you pray for me? Would you get on my side of the fence? Would you be sincere? Would you have some sympathy with me? I want to be able to do that. Amen? You can't do that with a hard heart. You can't do it. And I believe with all my soul, these two brothers, one shows one got away from the Father, lived like the devil if he so, so want to speak, but he came back. I never will forget an elderly lady I went to visit one time in her home. Somebody just asked me to go visit her. I forgot for what reason. But I was visiting, talking to her, and I looked up on the wall, and there's a picture there of five boys, grown now with suits on young men now. And I said, is that your boys? She said, yeah. And I said, they look like preachers. Are they preachers? Yes, sir. All five of them. I said, can I ask you something? Did they ever get away from the Lord? Oh, yeah, she said. Yes, they did. But I chose a verse of Scripture years ago when I was raising my boys. And I did my best to raise them in the Bible. But I chose a Scripture that I took and I asked God... And that is, they might get away, but they'll come back if you'll teach them. Amen? And the Bible plainly tells you that. Now, the younger son got away, but by the grace of God, he came back. We'll rejoice. Amen? Jacob went away. He stayed a while. I even rejoiced when he came home. He didn't get away from the Lord, though. I don't think. But I do know one thing. I'm glad to have him back. Amen? You just, you just think about it. Isn't it something? Shouldn't we rejoice with one another? That's what this story is about. Amen? Let's pray. Father, would you bless us tonight? In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Let's say something. Page 40, please. I would if I had a book. I think I know it. You think you know it? I think I know it. I will test you. Page 40. Thank you.